0: So I was recently at a doctor, and uh, this is a a podiatrist, and we're in there, and we're just getting to know this doctor a little bit, first time that we were there, and so Kelly and I are talking with her. She's very nice, and she's telling us all about her family and how they have little kids, and we're telling her, oh, it's great, you know, like every season's just different and awesome, and so they have little kids, our kids are older, and we start talking about sports, and we start kind of coaching her through, like, oh man, you know, when your kids start playing sports, it gets a little intense, and then... Watch out, man, like you get a pitcher or you get, you know, a quarterback or a goalie, like the pressure on them, then you feel this pressure. And we're talking about all this pressure and how to coach her as she, you know, one day we'll have to sit on the sidelines when her kids are playing sports and everything. And so the appointment goes great and we're walking out and Kelly's like, oh man, she was amazing, like we should look her up and and just find out a little bit more about her. And so Kelly Googles her name and we find out that this woman has been a very successful, famous athlete, and her husband is actually Chris Hogan, a wide receiver in the NFL who's played for the Jets and the Patriots and now the Saints, and I'm just so thankful that we were in the room to help coach her and, you know, help her understand how intense the sidelines can be when your kid is pitching in ninth grade. Not like her husband has caught Super Bowl touchdown passes from Tom Brady or anything, Oh my gosh, so for several days, Kelly and I are laughing about this, but kind of also kicking ourselves a little bit. You know those feelings stir up, you wake up in the middle of the night like, I'm such an idiot, right? (laughs) Sometimes we get lost in our feelings, don't we? Like those feelings just take over. I mean, that's just a silly example of feelings. Everybody say feelings? Those feelings that can kind of feel like everything to us in the moment. And maybe you're working through some feelings right now. Maybe you're questioning some things. Maybe you're questioning God. Like, God, why are you doing this? Or why aren't you doing that? Or maybe you're just sort of feeling like your emotions are all over the map. You you fight to be up. You're up for a bit. Then you're down for a bit. Then you, you fight and you're up a little bit for a while. Or maybe you feel like everybody else has seen God show up, but you still haven't or it's just been a long time. And you're kind of like, God, I'm really thankful that so-and-so has a great story and they have a great testimony, but I need to see and feel you myself. I need you to show up in my life in a powerful way. Maybe you've been dreading some kind of upcoming event that just sort of feels inevitable. And you're just kind of holding your breath, hanging on, and you're kind of lost in those feelings. Maybe you're struggling to get some words of praise out because it's just been so painful. Lately, maybe you feel like you can't feel the embrace of God. You know, that's one of the worst feelings you're wrestling with is like, God, it's, it's kind of enough that I'm going through all these other things. But when I can't then feel you, it feels like the whole world's against me. And so maybe you're wrestling through some of these feelings here today. And where any or all of those things are true of us, we can really become miserable, can't we? And We can really get stuck in our feelings and we can really become praiseless, can't we? This is so important for us to talk about here because while the decision to praise is right and good and God is worthy of all our praise and all those things are very true, I also want to remind you of just how powerful praise is. Like when you and I speak out praise or we sing praise or we just meditate on good things about God or Jesus or our relationship with him, man, there's just something that happens in us that breaks up those feelings that we wrestle with. There's something that happens inside you and I as we speak out those words of praise. So we're going to talk about all these things here today because I just don't want us continually stuck in the prisons of our feelings. And and praise has this amazing way of breaking us out of the prison of our feelings. There's a freedom that God's after. If you're not a follower of Jesus... We're so glad you're here in the room, or watching online, and there's a freedom that God wants for you, and you're going to hear some beautiful things about our Savior here today. So, as we kind of jump in, let me give you a real quick overview of the first half of the Bible. It's called the Old Testament, right? For those of you who might be new to us, the first half of the, of the Bible, a lot of the theme is this, okay? God creates, man rebels, and then there's this cycle that takes place. And the cycle is this, they're, they're rebelling and making poor decisions and then they're far from God because God is now looking at like where where are you? like We used to be close. You used to be leaning on me and near to me and close to me, but now you're far. And, and so now God disciplines. There's a time of discipline where God puts on the people because he knows something. He knows that the very best thing for his kids is him. And so he disciplines them at times to draw them back to him. They come back close. They're satisfied in God. They say, God, thank you even for that time of discipline because it brought us back to you. But then they start to drift again, right? And this cycle goes on and on and on throughout the, almost the whole Old Testament, that's what we're seeing. And today we're going to look at the book of Habakkuk, and, and in this book, the people are in the middle of that cycle again. They're in the place where they're far from God. They've drifted again. And there's some really beautiful, powerful things that we find in chapter 3 of the book of Habakkuk. And we, be, we find out that Habakkuk has heard that they're, they're going to be disciplined, The people are going to be disciplined, and this breaks Habakkuk's heart. And he actually goes back at God and begins to question God, why and what if and how, and, and, and isn't there another way? And, and, and they're going back and forth, and there's this conversation that takes place. But in chapter 3, Habakkuk writes a powerful prayer to God. And we can learn so much about praise and hope and faith as we look at this, but let's look at Habakkuk 3, verse 1. It says this, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shigionoth. Everybody say Shigionoth. Yeah, you didn't know you knew that word, right? You know, this, this word tells us something about what Habakkuk has written, okay? It tells us that this is kind of like actually a song. It could almost have been a psalm. And this prayer and, and these things that he is saying and, and these things that he's written here, this word shiganoth tells us that the song was meant to be played with this tempo of a range of emotions. Isn't that interesting? Because sometimes that's us. Just a range of emotions and this this uh, this chapter here was actually written so that the music behind it would be moving in such a way that it would create this shift in emotion. You ever watching a movie, and suddenly that music plays and you feel this thing, and then this other music plays and you feel that thing. Well, well, this was meant to be sung and prayed to music that would kind of be a little bit all over the place. And that's interesting because that's sort of Habakkuk's, you know, recent conversations with God were all over the place, and his feelings and emotions kind of all over the place, and sometimes you and I kind of all over over the place. But look at what it says in verse 2. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. He's saying, okay, God, I know you can do really great things. And sometimes that's us. We're like, God, we know how big you are. We know what you can do. But then he goes on, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. He's going, God, I'm so thankful for what you did for mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. That's all great. We've heard of what you can do. But oh, God, we want to see that. Maybe that's some of us here today. Like, God, I've heard what you can do. I've, I've heard stories, and, and people have told me about how you came through and you answered prayer, but I so long to see something like that. And then he says this, in wrath, remember mercy. He's saying, okay, your discipline is coming upon us, and when your discipline comes, oh, God, be merciful for us. He's saying, like, we know what's about to happen, and some of us are waiting on something that maybe feels a little bit inevitable. Maybe your prayers, oh God, be merciful. If there's a time of discipline that's about to come, God, be merciful in that. And I want to remind you what discipline is all about, right? The parent, the coach, the teacher, the discipline that is put out there is to strengthen and help the person, correct? When I was in physical therapy, those people were, man, they were driving me nuts, like especially when I first got there. They were, they were working me so hard. They were giving me these challenges that seemed impossible. They were literally putting obstacles in my way. They were, you know, retraining me how to walk and breathe, and they would put these little mini uh, hurdles in my way that I'd have to step over. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, man, I hope I don't wipe out. Like, I hope I can handle this. I hope I'm okay. And, and here is this discipline to help me breathe and grow and become strong and that's what a time of discipline is for you and me and maybe in the midst of a season of discipline you're crying out like a back like oh god be merciful we're going to talk about that word merciful near the end of the message we're going to find that even in god's discipline or times of hardship he's still merciful and then it says this in verse 8 i love this there's there's a few words i need you to pick up on in this verse god came everybody say came From Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered. Everybody say covered. Covered. The heavens and his praise filled. Everybody say filled. Filled. The earth. Now those three words are really important because they're all past tense words, right? They're all past tense words. But what's weird is Habakkuk's talking about what God's going to do. He's talking about what God's going to do to one day rescue this nation that's under discipline. But he's using past tense words. He's using this really unique writing tool. It's called a prophetic perfect tense. And when writers in the scripture would use this, it's because they were so sure that something God hadn't yet done would be done. They talked about it as if it already had been done. And so they were looking ahead. it's looking ahead. God is he's using these, these words, right? Came, covered, filled. God came, got his glory covered, and his praise filled. And he's using this writing saying, okay, he hasn't done it yet, but he's gonna. He hasn't done it yet, but he's gonna come through. He's gonna show up. You know, when I was in the hospital not doing well, there was this overall sense. I kept getting texts and messages from people saying, Doug, this is not it for you. You are coming home, man. You're gonna get out of this. God has so much more. And there was so much of this talk of like God's going to do this, like Doug, we are sure God's gonna pull you out of this mess. And when I was in the hospital, my wife did something kinda like Habakkuk. She was so sure of God's leading that I would be coming home and she really felt God had spoken that to her. That she called our buddy Ron and said, Ron, can you make a sign that says welcome home, Doug? And this is when I was at my worst. This is when the doctors were telling her to come in and say goodbye to me. And she kinda like Habakkuk, was saying, oh, no, no, like, I'm so sure God's going to do this. Let's make the welcome home sign now. And I actually have these signs right here. And, and when I came home two months later, it's sure enough, these welcome home, Doug, right there in the ground for me to be welcome home to, these signs that my wife had kind of like Habakkuk seen God was going to do something and spoke kind of as if he had already had. And we can learn from that, can't we? Some of us, we need to say, God, I praise you for the peace that has filled my life. Maybe you're going, but but I don't feel at peace. But this is a promise of God, right, to give us peace. And so we began to praise him for the peace that will fill our life. But let's say, God, thank you for the peace that has filled my life. I'm so sure it's coming. I can trust in you because this is a promise of you. God, thank you for the joy that has overwhelmed my life. But I don't feel joyful. But this is a promise of God. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. And so we can say, God, thank you for the joy that you've brought in my life. Everybody say this. God has already done some beautiful things in my life. Ready for this? I just haven't caught up to him yet. I just haven't caught up to them yet. He's working. Yeah, like we were just saying, right? Even when I can't see, he's working. He's doing something. He's writing something. And they're in this beautiful way like Habakkuk. We can say, all right, Lord, you're a God who fulfills his promises. You are a God who does what he says he's going to do. And so I can begin to praise and speak out as if it's already done. Verse 4, his splendor was like the sunrise, rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Habakkuk's describing what it will be like when God comes through for this nation. Verse 5, plague went before him, pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed, but he marches on forever. Habakkuk is seeing God's deliverance of his nation in the future. He's still using past tense words. I love it. Verse seven, I saw the tents of Cushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry, angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roar lifted, and its waves on high. Now this section. It's still probably referencing God, what God would come and do, but doesn't it also remind you of what God did? Doesn't it remind you of the Red Sea? Doesn't it remind you of him rescuing his people? And I think in our lives, guys, as we are walking through a difficulty and hardship, it's so important that we keep looking back also to what God has done. Like, I've been here before, God. I've been struggling here before, and you have come through. And I love that Habakkuk is speaking future but thinking past. Verse 11, sun and moon stood in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the uh, the lighting of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth and in anger you threshed the nations. This is God dealing with his people's enemies. Verse 13, you came out to deliver your people to save your anointed one. Everybody say anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. Now Habakkuk is prophesying, right? And sometimes with prophecy, It's talking about two different things. There's two different pictures being painted. You know, sometimes we'll tell a story, right? And that story is meant to show two different things. We're we're giving an illustration about this, but also talking about that. And in this prophecy, it's very likely that Habakkuk is still talking about God rescuing the people from what they've been going through and that the anointed one here is the king. But we've got to remember that all the scripture points to Jesus, and so this is probably also very likely talking about the fact that Jesus would one, once come and deliver us, that Jesus would come and he would be the anointed one and he would crush the enemy. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is what Jesus came to do. He came to destroy the works of the enemy, which was to keep you and I from Jesus, was to keep us far from God, was to keep us stuck in our sin and trying to figure out how can I save myself. But Jesus came and rescued us from all of that. And I, I love this reference, because if you remember in Genesis 3, I love that prophecy, right? In th- right? Three chapters into the Bible, we get a prophecy that though Satan would bruise the heel of Jesus, so to speak, what would Jesus do to his head? Crush, right? This is not like Jesus and the enemy are in this close battle. Who's gonna win? No, this is prophecy about Jesus coming and crushing what the enemy is trying to do in your life and my life. Verse 14, with his own spear, You pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. Again, doesn't that sound like what God did for the Israelites and rescuing them in the Red Sea? Verse 16 I heard and my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled, yet I will wait patiently. Everybody say, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come upon the nation invading us. He's waiting patiently for God's deliverance. He's saying, man, we're, we're about to head into this time of discipline, uh, kind of waiting on the inevitable, but here is this God who's gonna come and rescue. Here's this God who's gonna come and crush the head of the enemy, both our literal enemy and our spiritual enemy. Here is this God who's coming And maybe for you, you are are saying, wow, I'm hanging in there for the Lord to bring this new work in my life. I'm hanging in there to be delivered by my Savior. I'm hanging in there for him, and I am going to wait patiently for him to fill my life with that peace, with that joy. I'm going to wait patiently for him to come through in his might like only he can. But after all this, right, after the writer is remember, to this music that is changing and there's ups and there's downs and there's emotion behind it as he's speaking this out, praying this out, as this is sung eventually, as there's this turmoil Habakkuk is feeling and yet this excitement that God will come through as there's this disappointment and this dread about the difficulties that the nation's gonna walk through. Look at what he says in verse 17. This is such a powerful scripture. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. He is painting this picture of the worst. And we do this sometimes, don't we? We paint the picture of the worst. We paint the picture of if there is no food. That's what he says. If the enemy comes in and takes all of our animals and, and kills them or, or takes them off to their land and we have no source of food, uh, when all is miserable, when the, 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 the vineyards are dried up, when the figs are no more, when everything is... Leaving us and and there's loss, and we don't have what we think we need, or what we actually we don't even have food. Then he says, This though all that happened, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Doesn't that sound a lot like the phrase we looked at last week? Last week we saw that there are a trillion reasons to praise God. Like a trillion reasons, like even when the worst happens. There are still so many beautiful things God has given us, so many mercies he's poured out on us. And so, yes, I'm telling you, it is so important that we speak out praise to God. But as I said last week, don't just do it with empty words. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying, hey, remember that time like your mom invited you to your, your cousin Richie's clarinet recital and you went, and at the end, she was like, go tell Richie what a great job he did. You're like, mom, I wanted to take Richie's clarinet and beat myself in the head the entire time, <laughs> See, going and telling Richie how great he was, those are empty words, right? Meaningless. I'm not saying today, let's be like that toward God. I'm saying today, you can find something to legitimately praise him about. There is something good. There is some mercy you can find, something you can cling to and hold on to and speak out in praise that is genuine and real no matter what we go through. And not only that, But as we saw last week, man, when we praise out, it's crazy how the disturbed and downcast spirit breaks off. When we give God praise, the chains fall off us. Let's say it again together. When I give God praise, praise, the chains fall off me. And this is what we see so often in scripture. This is what we see so often in our own life. That's why the Psalms are so great. I've been reading the Psalms every day since I got out of the hospital almost exclusively outside of studying for messages. I've just been going through the Psalms and going through the Psalms and I got through them and I started over again. Why? Because, man, here is David and a few other writers just in such misery, but always able to find some hope, always able to bring it around to praise, always able to find the good, always able to find something to legitimately praise God for. Man, what a beautiful example for you and me. And then he goes on. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Very similar to what we saw last week. Last week we saw this. I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This week we see, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and be joyful in God, my Savior. It's those same two words, Savior and God, God and Savior. Man, how powerful. I so badly need God every day through all that I walk through. I so badly need God. I don't know how anybody does it without God. I don't know how anybody gets through life without God. I so badly need to lean on him, but I so badly need a savior and a rescuer, one that would come. And and remember, Habakkuk is looking ahead here. He's looking ahead to a savior, to one who would come and rescue from our sin you're not a follower of Jesus. Do you know that there's someone that someone's come to rescue you from your sin? Someone has come to redeem you, to purchase you back, and it took his death and resurrection to make that possible. This is our amazing God. Verse 19, the sovereign Lord is my strength. Everybody say the Lord is my strength. Everybody say the joy of the Lord is my strength. I've been saying that to myself all week. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord. My joy is not dependent on anything else. My strength is not dependent on anybody else. It's all wrapped up in him. And Remember, this is Habakkuk speaking out, knowing a time of great disciplines coming on the nation, but that a great God would come and make good of it all. And then he says, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. We got the deer again. If you were here last week, you remember the deer? <laughs> He enables me to tread on the heights. So last week we had the deer who was thirsty, right? And we're like like the deer panting for God. This week we have treading on the heights. What does that mean? It means that when God is in the picture, when God is involved, no matter what the terrain looks like, I can walk on it. I can navigate it like a deer treading on the heights, walking in places they have no business walking, walking in places you and I would never walk or tread. The the, the idea here is, is that God can carry us and enable us and protect us and keep us as we travel those terrains that should otherwise take us out. But my favorite thing about the book of Habakkuk is this little thing we haven't realized yet together today. It's actually his name. Because here is a time of great discipline coming on the nation. And God has spoken, this is what's going to happen. But I'm doing it because I love you and I want to bring you back to me. And I think this is a beautiful reminder of what discipline is about, the heart behind it. And it reminds us who is with us and what, what God's about, even in the most difficult situations in our lives. Because Habakkuk means this, embracer or the best embracer. Which means... God had a message to speak to his people. There were some hard times coming, but the best embracer was there. And you know, for you and I, as we go through hardship, the best embracer is there. The one who can hold us. The one who can carry us. The one who can say, I get it, I understand, I'm with you, I've got you. The best embracer holds you no matter what you're walking through, if the fig tree has no figs, if the, the animals have been taken off, if there is no produce in the land, if there is no hope naturally, if there is no good thing to look through, look to, uh, forward to naturally, the very best embracer, God himself, comes to you with a message of hope. As I think about what we've heard today, there's just gotta be something that rises up inside you and I, that decides and chooses but very truthfully can say, yet I will praise my God. Despite it all, despite the hardship, I will yet praise my God. Despite what I've walked through, I will yet praise my God. Despite that this world is difficult and painful, I will yet praise my God. Despite it all, there's something legitimate to speak out to him. And and when I do, it's blessing this amazing, merciful, wonderful God who's given me so many things, but also chains are falling off of me. And so what do you do when you're stuck in your feelings? When you're questioning God about why? He's done what he's done. Or hasn't done what you wanted him to do. When you're you're feeling like your emotions are all over the place. Kind of like the music played behind this prayer. What do you do when you feel like everybody else has experienced God but you? Or it's been a long time since you felt it yourself. What do you do when you just feel like you can't feel the embrace of God? think you do a few things. I think, A, I think it's okay to, to talk it out with God. That's what Habakkuk did before we got to chapter 3. Habakkuk was talking it out with God. He was going to God, I don't understand this, but why that and can't we this? And it's okay for you and I to, God, what is going on and why is this happening? And Man, this really hurts. It's okay to talk it out with God. But let's also remember the seas God parted in our past, right? B, can we remember the seas God parted in our past as we look to the future? Let's remember, I have been here before, I have walked through this before, maybe I haven't, but somebody has, and they've seen God come through, and they've seen that God is there to embrace and to carry them. See, can we speak about the future with faith? Can we speak about the future with faith and say, all right, God has filled me with joy. Maybe I don't feel joyful right now, but this is his promise, and this is who he is. God has filled me with joy. And I think we have to be careful with this. We can do this with stuff he's really promised us, right? Like, don't go out today and be like, "I am driving a Lamborghini." I am. I just am. Right? Like, nah, that's not a promise. Okay, but you can say, "I, I man, I have, I fill, am filled with the joy of God, because that's coming. I'm filled with the peace of God. That's coming. I am walking in the direction and leading of God, because that's coming. That's a promise. Those are things He has given you. And we praise. We praise because it's right. Yes. Because it's good and true and beautiful. Yes but also because when we do, the chains fall off of us. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a minute after I close with a story. I'm going to give you a chance to begin to talk to God and, and ask him to be your savior and to rescue you and to begin to do something in your life that's brand new, that's this beautiful salvation that he has given us would, would produce some beautiful things in your life and you would now have hope and you'd be walking listen with the best embracer the one who holds us in the midst of all that we go through there's a young woman named jane and jane has had cancer three times and her husband left her and she currently has cancer in her lungs her spine and her liver and they've given her a two percent chance of survival so first off can we pray for jane can we pray that God will touch her? I probably had less than 2% chance of survival and I'm standing here. So let's pray for Jane. But I also want you to learn something from Jane today. She's a father of Jesus. And she writes about being in so much pain from what she's walked through that she would end up just lying on her bathroom floor, floor just sobbing, asking God for mercy. i try and get through this. You can read it along with me. Here's what she writes. I see mercy in the dusty sunlight that outlines the trees in my mother's crooked hands in the blanket my friend left for me in the harmony of the wind chimes. It's not the mercy that I ask for, but it's mercy nonetheless. And I learn a new prayer. Thank you. She says, call me lost, call me scorned, but that's not all. Call me chosen, blessed, sought after. Call me the one who God whispers his secrets to. She says, even on days when I'm not so sick, sometimes I go lay on the mat in the afternoon light to listen for him. I know it sounds crazy, and I can't really explain it, but God is in there, even now. I've heard it said that some people can't see God because they won't look. No, look. Excuse me. Look low enough, and it's true. Look lower. God is on the bathroom floor. The best embracer in our lowest places. He's there, speaking of his message of hope, reminding us that maybe we're walking through a time of hardship. There's a, an embrace, and there's a hope. And there's someone holding us and carrying us through all of it. We can speak out. We can talk to the future and say, oh, this is a promise. So I am filled with joy. I am filled with peace. I am led and directed by God. And you can fill in the blank for you. But at the end of it all, we have to say, I will yet praise my God. Let's pray together. God, we're grateful that you've given us this powerful weapon of praise. We thank you for how real it is. We thank you, God, that it is so good and right for us to speak out of the beauty of who you are and of what you've done in our lives. But God, I thank you that you're just so good to us that you set it up, that speaking those very things out are also what sets us free. And so God, I pray that we be a church full of people that choose to praise you that look for the mercies, that can find it, even if it's just the sun outlining the trees. If it's the friend that left the blanket for us in our extreme pain and sickness. If it's the whispers of God that remind us you're there. Thank you, God, that you meet us on the bathroom floor. If you're a follower of Jesus, I really want to encourage you to, to find at least one thing right now to praise him for. One thing you can speak out that's good. Maybe it's just him. Maybe it's a memory. Maybe it's a new grace you found today just to get up again. Maybe it's something incredible. Maybe you've recently been blessed in a huge way, you, you, you got engaged, you got married, You got a, uh, your child was born to you, a grandchild, of a new friendship, a new relationship, a new provision, uh, just a, an awesome night of laughter with great friends, these are all mercies of God. So God, we praise you for all these things. If you're a follower of Jesus, just take a minute and, and thank him for those things most importantly, the fact that you have a Savior and a God. If you're not a father of Jesus and you want a Savior and a God, I'd love for you to pray with me now. You can just say something quietly like this. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. And you came to crush the head of the enemy that was trying to keep me enslaved. And that today prison doors open wide for me. That I would walk in freedom forgiveness and love thank you for all you've done before we open our eyes just keep your eyes closed for another minute you do not have to do this if you don't want to but if you put your trust in jesus you just kind of want to let somebody know today that i can be praying for you and we can celebrate what god's been doing love for you just really quick me quickly in this dark room just shoot me up a glance real quick i just want to look around the room and be able to say see you. I see yes. I see many of you guys. It's awesome. Anybody else here? Thank you, God, for what you're doing here. Thank you, Jesus, for the lives that are being impacted today. Just draw them close to you. And God, I thank you now as a church. We get to stand and say, I will yet praise my God.